This is Alan Johnson, pastor of Old Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Duluth, Georgia. The Bible is God's Word. It describes itself as living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Therefore, any encounter with the Bible is a momentous thing because it never leaves us unchanged. My prayer for you as you hear this message is that the Holy Spirit will use it in your life to inform your mind, to feed your soul, and to help you grow in your faith in Christ. I'll begin reading in verse 44. John 12, verse 44. Hear the word of God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the, on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say, what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Our Lord Jesus spoke these words at the end of his public ministry, as John records it, coming here at the end of chapter 12, chapter 13 on. The next five chapters have to do with Jesus' conversations with his disciples there in the upper room and then leading into the Garden of Gethsemane and his arrest. So these words really mark, in John's Gospel, Jesus' final statement in his public ministry. And so they're certainly worthy of our attention, one, because they're the Word of God, and two, because, as John records his Gospel, they're the last thing Jesus says before he goes into private conference with his disciples and enters into his passion. Well, in this Advent season, we have been looking at different statements Jesus made about why he came into the world. We've been answering the question, why did the Son of God become a man? We've seen in John's Gospel different answers that Jesus gave, where he made statements as we see tonight. I came into this world in order to do something. We've seen that he said he came to do his Father's will, to carry out his plan of redemption. He came, he said, in order to bring judgment, separating the blind from those who can see. He came, as he said, to bring abundant life. Well, tonight, appropriately enough on this Christmas Eve, we want to see what Jesus says here in this verse. Why did the Son of God become a man? He came in order to be light. To be light. Now, verse uh, 46, verse 47, uh, which form the words of our text tonight, uh, Jesus makes a statement, I've come into the world as light. Again, a very strong statement about the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus speaks of being born, but more than that, he speaks of coming into the world, which indicates that he existed before such time as he came into the world, as indeed he did. He existed from all eternity as the second person of the Trinity, as God the Son. But of course, here at Christmas, we celebrate when God the Son took to himself a human nature, human body, 
He did not cease to be God, but took to himself humanity, such that he was perfect human being. He was as human as you are, human as I am, without sin. And yes, it is possible to be human without sin. Adam and Eve were before they fell. Jesus certainly was in his humanity. In fact, in our sin, you could almost say it makes us something less than human. So yes, Jesus, though sinless, was just as human as we are, and you might even say because of his sinlessness, more so. And here again, Jesus says, I have come into the world. And so we recognize that he existed before his birth at Bethlehem. But that was a significant event, fulfillment of promises long made that the Lord would send a Messiah, the Lord would send a Savior. And we celebrate Christmas 1 because we commemorate the fulfillment of those promises, our Savior coming into the world. But we can't help but think, too, that we, too, live in anticipation of his second coming. And just as he came after many years the first time, we are confident that he will return again, not in humility, but in glory. Well, as we look at our passage tonight, especially John 46, we want us to think about three things. The fact that Jesus is the light, the fact that we are in darkness, and the fact that we need to move from that darkness into the light. First of all, Jesus is the light. We see this in verse 46. I have come into this world as light. Now, that is a, a powerful metaphor, powerful image. It's a favorite one of John in his gospel frequently drawing the contrast between light and darkness that occurs in a number of places. We'll refer to some of those. So we think about Jesus as light. But when Jesus says he has come as light, what does he mean? Well, if we think about that metaphor, we can uh, start to identify what Jesus meant just by thinking about it. When we think of light, we think, for example, of insight, of illumination, in fact, in, uh, in, in good comic format, when someone has a good idea, when they have a new insight, what appears over their head? A light bulb, right? The light has turned on. So we can think of light as, as being able to understand. We can also think of light as being able to see. When we enter into a dark room, we normally like to turn on the light so that we don't stumble over furniture or anything else that might be in the room. So we think of not just of having insight or understanding, but we also think of being able to see. And I think both of those ideas are wrapped up in Jesus' statement when he says, I have come as light. I have come so that we are able to understand things better, to understand who we are, to understand this world we live in, to understand who God is. He has also come so that we can see, so that we're not stumbling around, falling all over one another, falling all over ourselves in our decisions, in our choices that we make. And we see some of this in other parts of John's gospel. Jesus himself sees. He sees the picture perfectly. He sees it clearly, and he enables us to see. He gives sight to us. John chapter 9, verse 5. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And to illustrate that, he proceeds to heal a man who is blind from birth. It's Jesus who sees and he gives sight. Another instance from his gospel, from John's gospel, John chapter 12, 35 through 36, just a little above our text here. Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. 
while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. So Jesus sees himself and he gives sight to those who trust in him. But he also gives understanding. Understanding that enables us to recognize our need, our sin, to trust in him and be saved. We read earlier, John chapter 1, in him, that is in Jesus, the word was life. And the life was the light of men. John 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, Jesus says, I have come as light. He enables us to understand who we are as sinners. He enables us to understand who God is as holy. But he also enables us to understand who God is as a God of grace, as a God who offers to us pardon. That's why Jesus says in verse 47, If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That mean we can't call wrong, wrong, evil, evil? Of course not. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's simply repeating what John says in chapter 3, that Jesus' mission, the first time he came into the world, was a mission of salvation. It was a mission of mercy. It was a mission of rescue. He has not come to condemn. He has come to invite all who will believe to receive his mercy, to receive his cleansing, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his salvation. See, Jesus has come into the world as light so that we can see, so that we can understand so that we can trust in him and be saved. But notice what he says in verse 46, the second half of the verse. I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. It's not as though Jesus came and he found some people in darkness and other people not in darkness. The assumption is that we are in darkness. Notice the word remain, so that he will not remain in darkness. Jesus came into a world that was dark, a world that was in sin, a world that was under the power of sin and death, a world of darkness. And he, the light, comes into this world. John chapter 1 talks about how even his own people did not receive him. There were those who rejected him. There were those who would not have anything to do with the light because their deeds were evil. Because they didn't want to be exposed. They didn't want to have to admit that they were wrong. They didn't want to have to admit that they were not pleasing to God. Jesus says, whoever believes in him would not remain in darkness. Well, what is the nature of that darkness? Well, it's a moral darkness. That we tend to go our own way with our fallen nature. We don't want God to be our God. We want to be our God. We want to decide for ourselves what we think is right or wrong. We don't reckon with the true holiness of God. We tend to think we're doing pretty well when we look at others around us and we think, well, I'm not like he is. I'm not like she is. We have our code that we live by. But you see, the standard by which we're judged is not ourselves and not the people around us. It's God himself. What does God think of your code? What does God think of your efforts at righteousness? What does God think of the fact that you're doing better than someone else, at least in your own estimation of what better means. You see, we live in a moral darkness. We've turned from God. We've refused to submit to his word, his truth, and instead have decided, as Adam and Eve did, to determine for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. And what ends up happening is instead of living to the glory of God, we live for the glory of ourselves. And where has it gotten us? 
Look at the world. Look at the mess the world is in. Look at the mess people's lives are in. You see, it is a moral darkness that Jesus came into. John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. John 11, Jesus says, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. There are a lot of people out there tonight who are stumbling. And not just because it's dark outside. It's also this darkness, not just a moral darkness, it is a set opposition to God. It is a determination that God will not be our ruler. John chapter 1, we read earlier, verses 9 through 12, that the true light was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. Came to his own, his own people didn't receive him. You see, there's this opposition to God. As Jesus said in the parable, people say in their hearts, we will not have this man, Christ, to rule over us. And so what is this darkness that we're in? Well, it is a moral darkness, the darkness of sin, the darkness of rebellion against God, but it's also this set opposition that apart from the grace of God, we may pay lip service to God, but we'll rule ourselves. Thank you. So notice what Jesus says in the middle of it all. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus came as light. We are in darkness You see, the whole message of Scripture is we have the opportunity to move from that darkness into God's light. How do we do it? How do we get there? Just determine next year is going to be better than this year. January 1st, we're turning over a new leaf, right? We're going to try harder. We're going to make it to church. We're going to be good. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you know what happens by the time February 1st comes around. You're right back where you were. God doesn't call us to try harder. In a sense, he calls us to try less. What does Jesus say about how we move from darkness to light? So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus says, whoever believes in him. What does that mean? We hear that expression, to believe in Jesus. What does it mean? How do we do it? Is it like believing in George Washington? Uh, Yeah, I believe George Washington lived, never met him. Never heard his voice recorded. Never seen him on YouTube. Maybe a picture, not a video. Wouldn't it be great to have a video? But I believe George Washington existed. I give intellectual assent to what the historians and the history books say that Washington existed. That this nation here is, is, is evidence that he existed. Is that what we mean when we say we believe Jesus in Jesus? That we believe he existed? Well, yes, that's part of it, but it's much more than that. It's the idea of believing in him, trusting him, confidence in him, not as a figure of history, but as a, as a, as a living being, that I'm counting on him to do something for me now in a way that we would never say about George Washington. That's what Jesus means when he says, whoever believes in me, whoever hears my message, acknowledges the truth of it, which means acknowledging our sinfulness, our separation from God, our opposition to God, recognizing the wrongness of it, recognizing that we can't do anything about it, and trusting in Jesus 
who was perfectly obedient to God's law for us, who himself died on the cross to pay for our disobedience to God's law, and by believing in him, receiving that righteousness, receiving that payment for ourselves. That's what Jesus means. It's one word, to believe, believe in him, and yet, biblically, all of that is wrapped up in what Jesus is saying here. We need to recognize that this is God's plan for salvation. One plan, one way. Notice verse 44. Whoever believes in me, believes in me, not in me, but in him who sent me. Now, we do believe in Jesus, but Jesus is saying, when you believe in me, you're believing in God and what God has said, because God's the one who has sent Jesus. It's not as though God has given many different ways. Jesus says, you're not just believing in me. You're believing in the one who sent me. We also, to be honest, need to recognize the consequences of rejecting Jesus. Jesus says, I've not come to judge you. I've come to offer you salvation. But if you reject me, there is a judge. Verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. For I've not spoken among authority. But the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say, what to speak. Kind of goes back to what he said in the first one of these we looked at. He's come to do his Father's will. Do you recognize that? That's why Jesus came. Not to tell you to do better, but to tell you that he did better for you. So that by trusting in him, you might have everything that he earned for you. Perfect obedience to the, to the law of God. His blood shed on Calvary to wash away your and my violations of the law of God. So that when you trust in Him, the Father looks at you through the righteousness, through the cleansing blood of Jesus. What a magnificent gift. What a magnificent gift. No doubt as you drove over here tonight, and as you'll be driving home, You'll look around, you'll see lights everywhere. Christmas, we see lights everywhere. And that's appropriate because those lights bear silent but powerful witness to the one who came into this world as light. So we see lights around out there. The question that I'll leave you with tonight is this. Is there light in here? You have the light of Christ in your heart. What better time than Christmas to go from darkness to light? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are the light and that in your light we see light. Father, we pray that as we see all of the lights of Christmas around, they would remind us of the one who came into this world to be light And not just the light for the world, but the light for each one of us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.